Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We have a very exciting episode today. We have a guest, Chris Hadnagy, and someone I met through the YPO Young Entrepreneurs Organization. Sorry, yeah, Young Presidents Organization. (laughs) YPO, Young Presidents Organization. I There's a P in there somewhere. Yeah, it's there's something in there. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. And you are a veteran podcaster, so you know you know exactly how this whole whole shebang works. But first question I always like to ask our guests so that our audiences get some context about what we're talking about today is tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up here. Boy, that's an interesting story. So way back in the day, I was working for a company that we did something called adversarial simulation or pen testing, and we did network pen testing. So in essence, we we got paid to hack companies. They would pay us, the companies themselves, and we did network hacking and coding, exploit writing. And I realized at that time in that job that I wasn't very good at writing code, So, but I was really good at talking to people. So I started to use methods that weren't very popular at the time, something called social engineering, things like phishing emails or vishing calls, and they were successful, but I didn't know why they were successful. So I started reading all these books on psychology and communications and profiling. And I wrote I, what ended up becoming the world's first social engineering framework. I released it in 2009. And shortly thereafter, I got asked to write a book. And that was my first out of five books that I got to write it's called Social Engineering, the Art of Human Hacking. It came out in 2010. And when that book came out, I got calls to start consulting companies and organizations and government agencies on this new thing called social engineering. And that formed the company that I now own and run since 2010. So that's how I ended up here was series of really fun mistakes and trial and error that led me to owning a company that now has just about 18, 19 people that do this for a living every day. A lot to unpack there. So maybe let's start with the book first, because maybe that kind of gives a context about what is human hacking. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. I see the book is in the background. So tell us what that is and and why were all these government agencies and, and companies flocking to you? So we probably can all think back to the time when all of a sudden we started receiving more and more phishing emails, you know, and that became like a thing where daily we got emails and we all seen the Nigerian prince, you know, I have a million dollars. If you help me, I'll share it with you kind of thing. And we laugh at those, those scams. Sadly, they did work, but as times progressed and technology progressed, the attacker became more progressed and they, they started to use what we call pretext or themes that were much more intricate and detailed things that even involved like your social media or aspects of your life, your hobbies, your likes, your dislikes, things that you say on the internet. And then all of a sudden you see these in in emails or text messages or phone calls. So when I wrote that first book and it came out, agencies were realizing that they were vulnerable to these type of attacks, but they didn't know how to identify them and they didn't know how to actually help their people become more secure against them. So it became a quick 
very quickly, I became very popular with that because I was one of the first people to actually start openly talking about it, writing about it, and then building educational tools to help organizations learn how they can defend against it. And we took the same concept of what pen testers did with the network and writing exploits, but I started doing it for humans. So we kind of created the whole industry around human hacking or human pen testing and being able to help organizations be more secure against that. And tell us, so this is what your current, this is what your company is currently doing, right? Outside of the book, this is what the actual yeah. organization does. And what kinds of businesses do you, or I guess you said government agencies, so it's not just businesses, but what kind of organizations do you work with to help them? So uh, any organization can use this, but sadly, and say sadly, this is just the nature of our company is that we tend to work with really large banks, healthcare, pharmaceutical, manufacturing, and, and government entities that are either nation state or hacker group targets for, you know, for these type of attacks. So you can think of, you know, a very large bank that has millions of customers. They're a target for a nation state to try to steal money. Uh, healthcare, healthcare right now is a huge risk. I mean, healthcare tends to be very vulnerable to a lot of these attacks. And as we have seen throughout the last few years, when our healthcare data gets breached, it's a lot of really personal information on you and I out there. Government agencies, uh, the OPM, which is the office uh, that that controls all the details for people who served in the military, they got hacked, and hundreds of thousands of veterans' uh, information was out there you know, on the internet being sold on the dark web. So it's those kinds of organizations that tend to realize that we are vulnerable to this and we have a lot to lose that that tend to want to to find security in those things. Absolutely. That's so super important. Can you maybe share just some examples of like what's a typical engagement or scenario look like? Like I'm a bank and I might come to you because I'm trying to avoid phishing or maybe I have already experienced the phishing attacks. Maybe you can just, you know, to give a layman some context about like what, how, what's the problem you're looking to, you're solving and how, what's a typical engagement look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I kind of, I like to use this analogy that if anyone listening has ever tried to learn a martial art or boxing if you went into a gym and you said to the boxing coach, I want to learn how to box, you know, for self-defense and for my health. If that guy put you down at a computer, showed you a 20 minute video and then put you in the ring with a prize fighter, you'd be like, this guy's nuts. I'm out of here. Right. But we do to our employees every day. Right. We, we put them in front of a computer. We show them a 20 minute video on, on fishing and then we give them a computer and say, now keep me safe and don't get hacked. So we take a different approach to it. It's kind of just like what you would expect from a good boxing coach is that we actually fish your employees. So a bank comes to us and they say, hey, we want to learn how to be resilient against phishing. So we say, okay, well, give us all your employees' email addresses. So we get 100,000 email addresses and we fish them all every month. And we do it with varying degrees of difficulty and it increases as they graduate. But our focus is not on catching someone and going, ha, look, you're caught, you're dumb. That's not the focus. The focus is getting them to realize how to report it once they catch it. So we we help the companies build large reporting mechanisms that can get the incident response or IT teams involved really quick. So that way, if, if a, when a real fish comes in, think of it as muscle memory, right? In the boxing gym, the reason you're punching the speed bag is that when you're finally in the ring, that speed of hitting the bag is going to show you, you're going to use that in defense and in throwing a punch. So when we practice these phishing drills with the employees, eventually when they get a real one, they go, oh, I know what to do. And they do it automatically. And that's proven in, in many cases. We have this one uh, case study on our website where we saw an 87% reduction in malware 
on the company's network after three years fishing their, their employees consistently. So it works. It's a really great methodology and, and it, and it gets people involved in the real world aspect of it. Right. And what would you say is the biggest challenge in the industry now? Is that, is it just like, I feel like fishing, you know, it's already, it's been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and not to say that it's not still a method for hackers to use, but um, is that still the biggest challenge or do you think there's other? No, no. So fishing is, is a huge challenge, right? Will remain because it's the easiest for a bad guy to implement with the least amount of risk, right? Think about it. You can send a million emails for next to no money. And even if you get a 1% click ratio, that's that's still pretty high for a million emails, right? So, but but what we have seen as an increase is vishing. That's voice phishing. That's what vishing stands for. So, you know, in America, all all of our major telecom companies, the T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, all got hacked in the last year. So our cell phones are out there. So we're seeing text messages and voice calls coming through at an alarming rate. They're doing things what's called BEC scams, like trying to get you to wire transfer money by saying, hey, I'm a vendor. You owe me money. You know, I'm going to send you an invoice. So they're using combination where they're talking to you on the phone, but they're sending you an email while they're on the phone with you. Builds legitimacy and trust. And addition on that, we're seeing AI being used in social engineering attacks now. So that that's like a double whammy, right? So we're seeing phishing still being used, more voice calls than ever. And AI is helping them make perfect grammar and English and spelling and all of that for their phishing emails, adding more realism to it. We even found some groups that were using AI to write their emails because you don't, you can't say write a phishing email to like chat GPT, but you could say, hey, write me a good marketing email for Gene Ginsburg, right? And we'll go out and do that. It will find you. It will do a little research on you. And then it will write me a nice email. Then I'll say, I want to invite Gene to a party. Write me a nice email to invite Gene to a party. And all of a sudden I have a nicely written email that might get you to click a link, right? So it's, that we're we're seeing more and more of that, and then you know, lastly, the 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 voice cloning, which is super scary. There was just an attack on this poor woman. They they uh, called this woman, said they had her daughter, and they were going to hurt her if she didn't give hundred thousand dollars. And they had a, a voice cloner that the the woman said it sounded like her daughter, and she was crying, saying, "Mommy, help me, mommy, help me." And she was crying, and it was she believed it. She was, "I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. I only have twenty thousand dollars in the bank." And they're like, "Great, transfer it." They got the money, hung up, and of course, the daughter wasn't in any trouble. And it was all AI generated voice cloning. And you know, I can only imagine as a parent myself getting that kind of a call. Fear would take over, and you would do anything to save your kid. So AI. And the advancement of technology, to me, is some of the biggest threats that we have right now in trying to protect against this this vector. Yes, so much to unpack there too. It's like yeah. AI in the garden of good and evil. It yeah. seems like it's so. One of the things, one of the stats I heard, and I don't know if this is true, but now you can take somewhat like three seconds of someone's voice and then yes. use it to recreate it through AI and say anything that you want them to say. Microsoft released a tool that was basically free that did just that. So think about this, and this is how these guys did it, I would imagine. They find an Instagram video of this girl talking on Instagram. They run it through this generator. It can now create a whole conversation. You know, a lot of these young kids are putting their phone numbers and addresses out on TikTok or other social medias to to get clout and things like that. So now I I can spoof your phone number because I have it. 
doing a little research, I can find out, oh, your mom is this person, get her phone number from a directory, call her with your spoof number with an AI generated voice, and you have a perfect attack. And it's scary as heck to see that that is all basically free and easy. Yeah. So that that's 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 crazy to think that yeah. how we're like stepping into this new reality of how all of this can can go sideways very quickly if we don't if we don't review it or somehow control it or somehow yeah have a way to <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> the problem right very dangerous yeah, in the near future that's the problem is because you know everyone with a brain is saying, boy, we need regulation. We need some controls around these. But then the companies who are putting these out are putting them out at lightning speed with very little thought about those controls. Because if you're not the first to market, you're going to probably be left behind. Right. So the, the need for sales and selling and greed and things like that is motivating a very highly insecure um, commercial network of these brand new tools that you know really need regulation. Right. So let's switch it around what about ai for the good can we fight these these ai bots who are you know using generators to create fake deep fakes hmm. or or fake conversations so that's an interesting question it's something we've been analyzing here right now there are a number of tools that are using ai to in live time in real time to analyze data coming into your network so whether that's phone data or network data they're using these AI-generated bots to analyze that and to determine, like there's one company I know that is looking at phone data. And let's say I call you from my number and it comes up, you know, 570, bam, 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 and here's my number. But let's say I wasn't calling from my phone. I was spoofing it. This AI bot will actually look at the number and go, hey, he says he's calling from this number, but he's actually calling from this number, meaning it's spoofed. So I tell you I'm calling from Orlando but the number's coming from somewhere in Africa. And you can go, okay, this doesn't make sense. That can red flag that call. And it can put a little message up on the screen to the person getting the call saying, this caller may not be authentic, be careful. Right. So now all of a sudden, if I'm on the phone asking you for banking details or wire transfer, but you got this message saying, hey, I may not be authentic, your brain hopefully will start thinking, well, I don't know if I can give you that because I don't know really who you are, right? So- they are trying to develop tools using AI that can help the end user become more secure because of warning them or analyzing that data as something that we can't do as a human. There'd be no way for me to determine in, in real time as a human if that call was legitimate or not, because all I have is caller ID. Right. So now we need more AI bots to <laughs> review <laughs> this is actually a legitimate thing. So it's like bots on top of AI bots. I know. It sounds like Skynet, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like an MLM like system. Yeah, seriously. AI bots. Have have any of your clients experienced any of these like more advanced or let's say voice phishing types of scenarios? Yeah, sadly, it's. I would say right now in 2023, it's our largest selling service that we have is, is doing phishing more than phishing, because everyone is experiencing it, and especially like think of this most. The companies, I said, banks, healthcare, pharmaceutical, they all have call centers. Call centers are a prime target for vishing attacks because you have people who are paid. They have to answer the phone. So if you get an attacker group calling them, trying to get through those defenses to get internal access or to get names or other information that can make that company vulnerable, if you put 
10, 20, 30, 50 people on a call center and you're calling them all day nonstop. Again, all you need is one, 2% success ratio. And that's enough to drain a bank account. That's huge, right? They don't need to be successful 100% of the time. Whereas as a defender, I need to be successful 100% of the time to say I won. They only need to be successful 1% of the time to say they won. So yeah, it's a, a, sadly, our clients do experience it. And that's why we work closely with them to try to make sure that they're less vulnerable, that we could set up defenses. You know, part of it is we never say if you get hacked, because now it's like when. So we say, just don't be the low hanging fruit, right? If you can, if we can help our clients make sure that they're more difficult than the next guy, it's kind of like that old cartoon. It's a terrible cartoon, but it's like if a hungry bear is chasing you, you don't need to be the fastest runner. You just need to run faster than the slowest guy, yeah. right? <laughs> so it's like you, our company just needs to be better then the next one. So that way you're not on the chopping block and it gives you a little more time to be more secure and safeguard your stuff before the bad guys get in. Yeah. But it's always like staying one st step ahead of the bad guys, right? Yeah. It's, it's just hard. It is hard. Yeah. I it's mean, hard. It, it's impossible actually. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, we're not in the, the industry of bad guys are our companies in digital marketing, but we're still always trying to stay, you know, stay one step ahead What's going on with Mark Zuckerberg or Elon huh. Musk and what's new there and what's new? I mean, like we're not fighting crime, but we're but we but it is ever changing, right? And, and yeah, it's ever changing, and you're trying to fight all of these bad guys at the same time. And and it's it's a reactive, not proactive, right? Because I can't tell you what the bad guy's going to do tomorrow. Yeah. So what I do is I wait. And I watch and now I see the bad guy do something and I go, okay, let's figure out how he did it. And then let's come up with a defense. So it's, it's, it's difficult because if I could, I mean, honestly, if I could tell you what the bad guy's going to do next month, we could be doing this interview from my private island because, you know, I'd, I would be the richest guy on the planet, you know, because I would be able to predict. <laughs> you can swim over to, to Richard Branson's island. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Borrow a cup of gold, please. <laughs> yeah. Just high five him and swim back, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, maybe one of these days. Maybe, who knows? <laughs> well, I uh, I don't want to end on a doom and gloom note, but what do you think, is, or what is your prediction for the industry? I mean, where do you think we can be successful? Yeah, I, I, so actually, I think it's good to not end on doom and gloom because yeah. there is hope, right? There is hope. So here's what I tell people is that from a personal standpoint or a business standpoint, it's it's thinking about what information that you have that a bad guy would want. And then figuring out how you can best protect that. Now, sometimes people jump right to the conclusion of, well, social media is the devil. I don't agree with that, right? I'm on social media, but here's what I say. Now, it used to be like, I never put my kids out, their names or anything. Now they're older. So now my kids are out on social media. Now, just because you know my daughter's name doesn't mean that we're best friends because you could have found it on the internet. So it's a matter of how I think about it. I have to think about my data differently, right? So I can't just say, well, because... Jean called me and said, she knows Amaya's name. That must mean we met each other before or that we're close friends. No, I could say, well, she might know that because she did research on me, right? So it's, 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 it's a reframing of our thought process and how we actually plan to, to safeguard our data every day. Now take that and now add another layer, which is, it's not always possible because you're not always in control. Like I just said, like Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile all got hacked. That's out of your control. So if you use one of those three carriers, your information got hacked. And guess what? It wasn't your fault. There's nothing you can do. But even though it wasn't your fault, you have to know that. And now you have to say, okay, what do I do about that? Well, now the increase in phone calls and text messages that you get, that's because of that happening. 
So when that happens, we can sit back and go, okay, I'm going to get increased. I just saw this news report. You know, my provider got hacked, which means I'm probably going to see an increase in attacks on my accounts. So that makes you more vigilant. So you tell your kids, you tell your husband, you tell your wife, you tell your friends, and you say, hey, guys, this is what's about to happen. You keep everyone informed and gives you some, like, you know, a hedge around you to be one of the more safer people as opposed to the vulnerable people. Right. I like that. Yeah, keeping being more vigilant. I think that's a that's yeah. a good one to end on a, a more hopeful note. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, thank you. Though this was great. Our last our last question I always ask our guests is how can our audiences get in touch with you? Whether that's through you or your company. So the company is uh, social engineercom but myself, I'm more active. I'm most active on LinkedIn. So I do a lot of writing on LinkedIn and write columns there and. And I'm really active on that social media platform. The rest of them, I'm not so much. My company is, but I'm not so much uh, an Instagram, Facebook guy. And tw- Twitter's just turned into kind of like a, I don't know, a sinking ship. So I don't really go on there too much anymore. So friends now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I, so we took a look at that. I got to say, not only was I impressed with the platform, but I was impressed with that when negative or hateful, not negative, I shouldn't say negative, because negative comments are a lot, but when hateful comments were posted, they were very quickly deleted, oh. which is part of the problem with Twitter is you can basically say anything. I mean, you can harass someone, you can call them anything you want, say whatever you want, threaten whatever you want. It just stays there. And that wasn't always the case. Threads is more now like saying, hey, we're just not going to allow hate speech or threats or you know sexual assault comments or things like that. And they're active about it. They're actually what I saw was things getting deleted in real time. So it's like, okay. And I'm like, I'm hold I'm reserving my judgment. We'll see if that stays, you know, once it gets popular. But I gotta say, first impression was they they kind of took what Twitter used to be and made it a little bit better and then brought it back. So I have some hope that, that may be a pretty decent platform coming up. We'll see. Phoenix is like I'm sorry, Threads is like Phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> yeah, except it is owned by Facebook, right? So, you know, which means that, you know, as we know with Zuckerberg, any data you give him is going to get sold to somebody. So I still say be cautious, right? Because, you know, don't put something on social media that you don't want the world to know. Right. right? If you put it out there, don't think it's just your followers. That data is getting stored and sold somewhere. So if you put it out there, just keep in mind, someone's everyone's going to know it eventually. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Chris. This is a really good conversation, being vigilant about your data and your your personal data. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.